0: welcome to the opposable thumbs podcast opposable thumbs is a podcast where taylor and rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments failures and lessons learned liz clark of blitz city diy is our guest this episode greetings liz hello uh my name is rob ray i use the he has gender pronoun and i run the exoskeleton art space in la and um, i'm also a user experience designer in los angeles
1: uh, my name's Taylor Hockinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY engineer, and CAD CAM enthusiast. Uh, and I'm a he his kind of guy.
2: And as uh Rob said, my name is Liz. Uh, I have a little YouTube channel, Uh Buttsy DIY, where I do electronics and maker projects. And my pronouns are she her.
0: Awesome, Liz. Thanks for being on on the podcast.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Liz, you were about to mention how you uh, have time to both uh make the rent and also get all this material
2: done um i I have a hard time uh just kind of like sitting still basically mm-hmm. <laughs> um so any free time I have like I always want to be like working on a project or mm-hmm. something like that i um I have a really hard time just like hanging out, so basically if I'm not socializing or at work, then I'm working on a project,
1: yeah, I feel like um we're certainly kindred spirits in that. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of your output was organized into these sort of really uh, tightly explainable buckets like, can I fix it?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> is is that something where you did a bunch of sort of loose creative work and then you started to recognize that there were sort of zones that things would fit into? Or did you start with that as a way to um, inspire, you know, your creative behavior?
2: Um. So I kind of like started the whole thing cause I, um, not to be cliched, but I felt like I was kind of having like a quarter life crisis <laughs> where yeah. like I had my day job and I was like getting up every morning and going to work and then i come home and I really wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of stuff in mind that I wanted to be working on, but I just was having a hard time motivating myself to do it. Um, so I kind of saw like starting a YouTube channel, like would be a good, like motivator, Uh, But it would also um, kind of like let me work on these projects because it, I, when I tried to do Arduino stuff and things like that before, um, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. And that can be like very isolating. And then you're kind of like, well, why am I working on this? Yeah. Um, Whereas if you're like making a video or like a guide and putting it out there, then um, it's kind of motivating. And I've really found that to be um, a really fun side effect of. Doing this is like connecting with people and getting inspired by other people's projects and stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Liz,
0: I think I first saw your channel on one of the guitar pedal videos. And I can't remember if it was the Arduino one or the Raspberry Pi one. Um, Okay. And that was maybe not quite a year ago, something like that. But the thing that really jumped out to me was after watching, I subscribed and then like was watching a few videos, maybe even before I subscribed. And um, I was really inspired by like how fearless you were about just diving into something and just being like, I'm just going to open this thing up and see what's in here. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like really that's, I mean more of a compliment than a question, but, but um, I guess what stuck out, stuck out to me was like you, you, you had a really great sense of what was felt really interesting and cool to me and also what seemed hard or weird to me too. And I was like, wow, this person really is like, gets it in this way that I felt like a lot of videos either sort of glossed over the thing that was either thorny or hard or glossed over the thing that was actually fun and interesting about it, you know? And I was just curious about how maybe you found your voice on YouTube and sort of how you kind of figured out like what you wanted to say because it, it feels like you really do a great job from my perspective, articulating that every, every video you make.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Um, that's a great compliment. Uh, um, basically I just, I just try to be myself and I, I don't really want any errors or anything in my videos. Yeah. Like my main goal is to kind of show people that they can do it too. Cause I don't have any formal electronics training or coding training or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I've just kind of learned as I've gone along and, Um, like movements like the right to repair, uh, and open source in general really inspire me. And I think they're important and, uh, I just kind of want everyone to feel empowered to be able to kind of tackle these things that kind of seem so opaque. Like, uh, when you look at a TV or something these days, like, I think people just think of it as this box that is just mysterious in how it works. Um, and I just kind of want people to realize that it's not, as difficult as like companies and stuff make them out to be. And some -hmm. of that comes from my day job too, like uh, working uh, with tech, um, with faculty and students and people that like tech isn't really the focus of what they're trying to do. It's just kind of a tool to help them get there, whether it's to like give their presentation or to get through a lesson. And um, it just kind of opened my eyes that like people do feel so intimidated by technology. And I, I just, I kind of want them to like not feel intimidated basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to me how more recently, uh, technology seems to drive so much, uh, in terms of conceptual, conceptual and relational content, you know, so Mm -hmm. you want to start a YouTube channel so you can reach out and talk to people or make them feel less intimidated or whatever. And I, I think, um, perhaps people that are less comfortable with technology associate it with being kind of cold, you know, uh-huh, <laughs> so it's uh-huh. sort of, sort of the opposite of uh, relationship building and so forth. So I'm, I'm glad to see another uh, uh, traveler repping that particular perspective.
0: Yeah. That, that speaks to me too. I feel like so many people used to use that, like this really kind of horrible trope, like your mom can figure it out. And now I feel like it's actually more about like, <laughs> can your dad figure it out? Because like, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like so many now moms that I know, just seem so much more plugged in and connected um, to like doing things, um, you know. Then I don't. Then I don't know. I mean, the 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 premise was already ridiculous, but I just felt like <laughs> it, it even feels more ridiculous now.
2: I definitely noticed, like among the moms that I know, uh, like they're definitely more onto social media and yeah. following things. Even my mother, who's um, she's a retired school teacher, and she's. Like she always used technology a bit in her classroom, but not like too much and since she's retired, like she's actually really gotten into social media as far as like keeping up with news and like keeping up on like she has a lot of like craft hobbies and so she follows a lot of people there yep. and like connects yep. with people that way.
0: What did, what did she teach?
2: Uh first grade, uh public school.
1: Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, in the trenches. My yeah. <laughs> my, my partner Audrey, she works in the fundraising and uh, so one of the big things you have to do is to research people that will potentially be on boards or give money or whatever. And so so one of the crucial pieces of information is uh, what kind of uh, email address they have. You know, so if they're still like at a Comcast, she can make mm. certain <laughs> assumptions about how old they are and what they're. Technological uh, comfort level list. Wow,
2: (laughs) I make that assumption too. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: What do you guys think? Are the like, what's what's the on the lowest part of the totem pole? Would it be Juno, or like, what's the uh, what's the most troubling Mm. one going to be? Or, or is there one that, in fact, is so old you'd have to give somebody a certain amount of street cred for it?
2: um hotmail, hotmail and comcast are yep. the ones that will usually stick out to me also browser preference i feel like says a lot yeah um like if someone says that to me at work like they've been using internet explorer like surprised that something isn't working then i'm like yeah. oh, oh no
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and then that stuff is changing right because i guess firefox is now starting to aren't there a lot of people writing that firefox is overtaking chrome again in terms of forward thinking oh. um, yes, sandboxing yeah. and other kind of policies
2: and actually a lot of the technologies that we use at um the score I'm at um, Firefox has always worked better for a lot of the like in-house developed stuff, so oh. it's interesting now to see like kind of the more mainstream stuff is going that way too
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool
1: yeah. yeah, and actually I think Mozilla I'm looking it up right now, but they just announced a um, two hundred and twenty five thousand dollar grant for art and advocacy exploring artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. So if anybody's into that scene, you should definitely check it out. I'm trying to figure out when the deadline is. Uh, but in any case, I'm going to post it up on the Slack channel.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll post it in show notes.
1: So hey, guys, in the interest of getting down to it, getting started. Let's do it. Uh, what do you think? Should we look at a uh, look at a project? And Rob, did you decide if I'm first or you're first? You,
0: you are first.
1: Okay, so you guys should be able to see... Most, about halfway down the Slack channel, I've just got tho.zip Aha. Uh-huh.
3: Uh,
2: looks like we've got a CNC uh, yep. time-lapse coming.
0: A really big CNC.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that looks like a full sheet of plywood, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And It looks like it's making little kind of slits, almost like... um a gradient or something Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so a cnc is like a big machine It's sort of like this machine is like it looks like essentially like a lawnmower sitting on top of a table that moves back and forth and yeah it was um yeah Liz you described it as slits and it does look like that like some sort of long routed vertical lines going down the length of the like a four by eight sheet of plywood the long way
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm sort of scrubbing back in the video to sort of get a better sense through the time lapse of what is happening.
2: Yeah, and there seems to be kind of a shape in between the the lines, like uh, some sort of repeating pattern.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's almost like because it's a four by eight sheet of plywood, it almost you know it's sort of area rug size or something. I don't know what. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so many vertical lines that yeah, like like you said, Liz, seems like some sort of pattern is creating an image, but we're not sure what it is yet.
2: It is some sort of geometric uh, pattern, uh, kind of like little squares making oh. um, kind of cubes. Yeah. Um. Almost kind of like a kind of reminds you of Tetris shapes. Um,
3: yeah. The bottom
2: portion because they're they're making that kind of L bend shape in 3D.
0: Yeah, like an oh, right, right at the bottom there where there's like yeah. you know, a bunch of cubes sort of melded together, so it has a kind of S shaped. Um, yeah, there's definitely a Tetris cube shape, that color. That's a great description of that. And, and that is carved into, so it's sort of like a, a relief sculpture, bar relief, where like the first layer around this shape and the plywood has been removed. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there's this, these cube forms in the middle. Go to number three. Oh. So number three, it looks like the f- Four by eight sheet has been cut back to roughly four foot by four foot. Mm. We have these, yeah, two t- the Tetris S shapes on the bottom, and then um, some smaller cubes on the top.
2: Mm. It's also um, definitely a uh, symmetrical. Yes. As well, yeah. And then number four. Oh, uh, it looks like oh. the wood may have been um, like an uh, an ink stamp. Yeah. Um, now on the on a larger, large piece of paper, um, the, the gradient blocks are solid. And then the background, the way that it was carved away, um, we're getting vertical lines behind it.
0: Yeah. Like pinstriped or something almost. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, um, I think cause of the, the depth, um, they almost look kind of, um, antiqued. uh, they didn't make full context. So it makes a really oh, cool right. effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not every single line. It has almost a hand hewn slightly look. Right, because yeah. some of the lines don't aren't fully imprinted on the page. Wow, that's yeah, a
2: nice contrast to the the fully um, inked shapes.
0: Yep, yeah, that's cool. Okay, image number five. Oh, this looks like maybe a completely different print, but the, like there was in result of one. Mm. Uh, Liz, I might need some help on this one. It looks like twisty pieces of paper almost.
2: Yeah. It also um I have a friend that blows glass that kind of looks like um oh. when he's pulling out uh the I'm not a glass blower myself so I'm not sure on the terminology but when they pull the um the glass rods and twist them out they kind of look like that when they first oh, yeah. um for sure. Take them. Oh, yeah. and kind of the diagonal kind of almost reminds you of a candy cane too. Yeah, that's a candy is. cane too.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It looks like maybe 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 maybe f- 12 or so Like long pulled, yeah, like if you took like taffy or a candy cane or something and twisted it, that's the twist that um, you would see. And that's, I have no idea what the dimensions are on that, but it feels like maybe one, if that's a rug in the back, that feels like maybe two feet by one foot or something like that. But it's hard to say.
2: Yeah. Um, Image six. Uh It looks like a kind of larger version of the original print but the actual shapes are smaller yep um so it's a bunch it looks like probably about 16 of them maybe around there yeah um but in different configurations um so they're making different patterns it looks like if you were to um to ink it again um you'd have the solid shapes and then the same vertical lines behind
3: yeah
2: and kind of see how um the edges kind of have a, a chamfer on the on the geometric shapes.
0: Oh, yeah, right. For like that like kind of nice clean line and having a mm. gap around the pinstriping on the background. Yeah, that's cool.
3: <laughs>
2: and then number eight is... Um, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of that so uh, is... piece of machinery, but... And a bulldozer. Steamroller? <laughs> yeah. yeah, steamroller. steamroller. It's <laughs> a picture of a steamroller. It looks like a stock image. <laughs>
0: That is really funny. Oh, ah, yes. So Taylor, longtime listeners of the podcast will recall that Taylor has been doing various experiments in. It's it's all coming together now, like CNC printmaking, but it had had been happening on a smaller scale Mm -hmm. with a needle on the end of like the CNC uh, and sort of using that as a engraving tool. And so my, guess is this is a macro version of that yep
1: yeah it,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my uh buddy at columbia college megan sterling got me hooked up with the chicago printmaker collective or rather uh, chicago printmakers collaborative and they're doing an event called the roller derby where they're getting a local business to Whoa. lend a um a steamroller the equivalent of it um it's kind of great. I I don't know that there's any other tool that still keeps steam in the name, even though it's probably run, you know, with a diesel motor or something. Yep. But yeah, uh, yeah. So the the limit is uh, I think three by eight in terms of the printable area. Um. So the the event's not going to go down for another uh, three weeks or so. So I, I'll I'll bring the results back to the podcast at that point. But yeah, that that block is too big to print on. Um, any of the local, uh, any of the local presses that we have at work. That is so cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, thanks. And That's you know, awesome. I mean, I definitely cheated on this one a little bit cause it's, you know, it's an event that I was looking, looking forward to. Um, but it did fit the, uh, the challenge pretty well.
0: Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: And then the last little detail, and as the eagle eyed Liz noted, uh, the chamfer on the, um, On the side, so normally with a CNC machine, if you wanted to have pockets of material drop away, you might just use a flat end bit and then tell it to, you know, recreate the edges of a form really precisely. But in this case, I'm just using a V-mill, and then depending on how deeply it cuts into the wood, it'll change the thickness of the high wood that it leaves behind. So um, if you look at image 5, that was a test I just did today, I had some lines that were uh, wiggling up and down in Z. And then I would scale the amount of the wiggle in terms of how basically the amplitude of the wave. And then by pairing those lines really close together in parallel, uh, they would leave different amounts of wood between them in a sort of interference pattern. So it was a way of... uh, making some lines on the computer and not having super perfect control over what the results look like. And then just the sort of the nature of the tool was the thing that, you know, um,
0: uh, finished off those formal decisions. So this is the, this is the candy. Number five is the kind of candy cane image. Mm hmm. Uh, So, sorry, is it the, like the Z axis of the CNC that's changing? So each line, I, I think there's maybe 12 okay. vertical lines uh-huh. in this image
1: and each, each line for the tool to follow is going right down the center of one of those, um, sort of, uh, Brancuzzi looking little, uh-huh. uh, linear forms. And so as the V-mill enters deeper into the wood and pulls back from the wood, you get these nice quasi geometric, quasi organic shapes. Yeah. Um just from deformations into Z. So, so normally in the CNC, you would be controlling Z really explicitly in in an effort to get exactly, you know, you want to get out exactly what you put in. Yeah. But in this case, I was trying to play with using it a little more um, subjectively and, you know, just kind of letting it happen. So I'm I'm
0: definitely going to be following
1: up on that, on that method some more.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So as I think of it, like, uh, let me know if I'm thinking about this right. So... When you say a V-mill, that's like the bit is shaped like a V on the end?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so it's sort of like if a pencil, when you have a very sharp pencil tip, it's a very fine line. But when you have a very dull pencil tip, it's a very wide line because the V of the pencil tip is worn down. So for you, you're moving, the, the Z-axis is moving up and down. So when it's furthest down, the line is wide. And when it's pulled back some, the line is thin? Is that... It's
1: that's true, but but the the one additional sort of mind melting thing is that uh, you're producing negative space instead of positive ah, space. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's like taking the same pencil you're describing, but dragging it through peanut butter while moving uh-huh. it up and down. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So, right. so the awesome. hole it leaves, which will effectively be white, because it'll be a low area that won't pick up ink. Got it. So it's there was something kind of fun about. Like I'm, I'm really comfortable with this set of tools, and so trying to find the things you can experiment with without making it dangerous or more likely to shatter the bit or whatever. Yeah, was was sort of the fun part because then I could, you know, re- like I I really have to go just make the thing and then ink it and then say, oh, you know, do I like that? And then uh-huh, go back uh-huh. up to the CNC room and do it again, as opposed to just being like a brain in a jar and squeezing out a bunch of stuff that that has no. Um, like like the result isn't up in the air. Yeah. So that's, right. that's part of what I'm trying to capture there. Yeah, that's cool. So that's me.
0: Wow. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, when is the event, Taylor?
1: I think it's uh, late July. Uh, it is July 28th, 11 to 6 p.m. at 4912 Northwestern Avenue for anyone awesome. in Chicago. So I think they're going to have like food trucks and music and stuff like that. So come check it out.
0: Yeah, Chicagoans and Chicago nearby Chicagoans. Yeah, hit that up. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Liz, you are you are up next. Okay.
1: Excellent naming conventions. Yes, uh, a fellow <laughs> nice. a fellow Eagler. Yes. <laughs> Well, let's see. Is that Eagle? Yeah, the color it scheme it is. looks and,
2: right. Uh, I just uh, listened to your last episode uh, today and uh, had to laugh. Perfect. <laughs> <'Cause>
0: <laughs> yeah, so Rob, why don't you start on that first one? Good. Cool. do you recognize this is Eagle now? Oh, and um, we did get feedback from a listener from the last episode, of someone who wasn't sure what Eagle was. And so mm. it may, may be a good time. Let me open up this first image and so we can talk about what Eagle does. There's also someone's car alarm going off in the back. Yeah, of my of my very fancy recording studio.
3: <laughs> this
1: is where our, our social media campaign really kicks into gear when we have like a like a viral drama unfold where Rob is attacked, <laughs> he has to fend yes. off a burglar or something. Yeah. 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 All right, Rob, you got that picture up?
0: Yeah, let's see. Uh, I I did a thing and I messed up. But here we go. Okay. Oh, okay. So
1: here, here while you're looking, let me just let me introduce Eagle real quick. Great. So yep. Eagle is part of the Autodesk family. So Autodesk is quickly becoming like an Adobe where they're sucking yep. up all these different pieces of software and, and um, for better and worse. And uh, one of them, <laughs> Eagle, is a really popular um, electronic schematic layout program. So it generally has two parts. There's the schematic view where you're using all of the electrical symbols to tie together what you want a circuit to do. And then there's also the board view where you have the literal outlines and the physical dimensions of all those parts. And those two different windows talk to each other. So you can update the schematic and then there will be corresponding changes if everything's working right in the board view. And then once everything's done, you can, you can send it directly. You can send that file off to uh, China or, or whatever board house and they'll send you back fabricated PCBs. So that's yeah. What it
0: was. And for musicians, I think of, I think of like a schematic is like the sheet music and mm-hmm. then like the, the board layout is like the tablature, like your, your metaphors are on point tonight. Yeah. And <laughs> that, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Why? Thank you. But, uh, because like the sheet music is not doesn't tell you anything about how to play the music, but it tells you what the music structure is. Where like mm-hmm. the tablature is like your fingers go on the frets here, you know. And I think of the board layout as like the traces of the board go from here to there or whatever. So when you see like a circuit board, uh, if you pop open your computer or phone or whatever, the the circuit diagram is is uh, the board layout is is that like made manifest. And in our first image, oh, I have so, no idea what I'm looking at. Taylor, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think, I think right off the top we can guess it's an Arduino shield because it includes that completely ridiculous um, non-standard 0.1 pin header gap. Uh, Rob, do you know the whole backstory behind that? No. Apparently, they just made a mistake on the first rev, <laughs> and if they hadn't made that mistake, we'd all just be able to plug in vanilla you know standard p. c. b. Oh. layouts onto the top but instead you have to you have to like bend pins or or get something actually produced in order for the pins to line up. oh wow um, that's awesome that's just a guess on my part but it's it's looking to me like it's got that um that shield. Uh, orientation.
0: Wait, what do you think those eight things are? That's what I was wondering too. It looks like. I have no idea. But I see now so, it says the word headers on each, like by each of those. So yeah, it could be definitely. Uh, yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, w- uh, I want to guess that. Uh, so each, they're like these blocky square footprints, and each of them has three little. Drill holes, so that suggests that there's protruding plastic coming out of the bottom for orientation. Um, and they've also got four contacts, uh, and each one is connected to a, a through-hole resistor. So I want to guess that they're potentiometers, but I'm not positive.
3: Ah, uh, hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to. Are you? You're on image one. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we should probably move. Yeah, on. let's let's
0: move <laughs> it. Yeah. No, okay. Okay. Here we go. I just got to image two. Oh. Okay. Oh, I know enough to know that that this might be an Osh Park board because it's purple.
1: Ah, uh, good call.
0: That's such good branding on their part. Osh Park is a circuit board fabricator.
1: I'm not so sure about the uh, whether these will be pots now. Actually, yeah, gonna... plus
0: and minus now on each. So there's four squares and in each, and they're all the same, but they're sort of laid out like in a two-by-two two or two-by-four kind of grid so two rows and four columns of eight cubes and those cubes oh the two big there's four holes in each cube and two of the holes have a plus and a minus so that feels like some sort of positive and negative voltage action and then the top ones that could be a switch maybe? Because
1: because of the silkscreen?
0: Yes because of the silkscreen which sort of shows a sort of Switchy looking, like if you push these two together, they will connect. But I'm, yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm too much of a noob to know exactly if that's exactly what's happening.
1: All right. So, let's, oh, image number oh, three. Uh-huh. Uh, uh It looks like we are coding in Python, uh, and then I'm seeing some stuff about libraries for um, an Adafruit keyboard. Uh, So maybe what we're doing here is making a little um, uh, human interface device. Uh, You'll see these in the the hacking community, right, if you're trying to, like, plug something in that automatically types stuff out. Um, There's also some stuff about defining keys that are pressed and running some uh, pseudo commands like shutdown and reboot. Um, So I wonder if this is, like, uh, I know that um, by default the Raspberry Pi doesn't have those um, uh, those uh, buttons unless you add them. Uh, so I don't know if it would be something like that. Wait, what else do you see in the code, Rob?
0: Yeah, so it is main.py. So this could be Circuit Python, which is something that's been really interesting. I've been very, very, very curious about. So I'm excited to see that, if it is that. It feels like it is. And then, yeah, I see some uh, uh, some import statements, which is sort of like, Uh, including code that someone else has written into your own program so you can reuse it. And one of those imports, yeah, is keyboard and keyboard layout and key code, which to Taylor's point feels like some sort of keyboard emulation or like a way that you can press a key that makes something happen. Oh.
1: Oh, oh, let me jump in there too because I think I see Uh potentially we're going to have keys for sudo app get upgrade update uh, and other things that are a pain in the butt to do every time you set up a new (laughs) install of noobs on a raspberry pi so yes um, my guess at the moment is that you could plug this into potentially a headless pi although I suppose you'd still need an ethernet connection and then you could just tell it to do this stuff that otherwise you have to
0: go through setting up SSH and so forth I'm curious oh. it will be something like that. Intriguing. Yeah, let's move on to image number four. Oh,
3: uh-huh,
0: uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Okay, so yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep, we see some, so, oh yeah, we're getting some buttons. For each of those squares, it does look like some sort of button, like a little mm. plus sign. If you ever popped a key key uh, off your like, um, USB keyboard and you saw the like, funky plus sign thing, that this is looking similar. But then there's an LED for each one. Oh, because yeah, they, illuminated yeah, buttons. Yeah! Wow! Oh my gosh! This is this may be one of opposable thumbs' more fancy projects. It's pretty fancy, dude. <laughs> yeah, good see. pictures
1: too. <laughs> yeah,
0: really good. Oh, and now image five, Taylor. What are you seeing there? I'm oh. seeing
1: three 3D printed keycaps yes. in various colors, and then some kind of little spacer uh with mounting holes. Yeah, that's that very fitting the uh shield i'm liz? unfamiliar with the metro express what were you going to say
0: Rob? oh liz has put up with a number of my <laughs> 3d printing questions so so I'm i was happy it
3: helped yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: taylor's only heard about my like m- my uh trials and tribulations with the 3d printer but liz has gotten the direct questions so yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, well, Liz,
1: Liz, when you're sick of him, I'll 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 help out. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I I, <laughs> okay. I I haven't exactly been chomping at
2: the bit, Rob, to uh, help you <laughs> out there.
3: <laughs> I've
0: gotten good prints for the past two days, so I feel like something has nice. to go wrong soon.
2: <laughs> you just need to sage the room that the printer's in every yes. couple of days.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, get 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 Megan
1: Trainer on the uh, case.
0: Yeah, yeah. Our previous guest, Megan Trainer, is a hedge witch, and so. Could, oh okay. Yes, yeah, and a technologist and creative person. So yeah, she could subscribe to us the perfect remedy. Why didn't I think of that sooner? Um we've got keycaps mounted. Did. Best yeah. colors ever. Indeed. Like a like a pastel highlighter yellow, an orange, a red, and a black key across the first four, and then a really it's great like, sky blue.
1: It's like Dust Keyboard for Pride Month.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which there should be a dos keyboard for pride month that would be so cool i guess that we have one now we're looking at it right now it's um sky blue and then fuchsia and then like a really nice neon green and then a really nice soft pink is the fourth row was oh, the four buttons on the bottom row
1: i i totally called it and i i so need this thing <laughs> 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 this is this is just so plainly useful <laughs> this oh is and it's macros yeah, dude. Ah, oh, awesome. The ones that are just a pain. Yeah, because you just have to do the same thing over and over. Uh, wow, that? that is the coolest. So, yeah, Rob, have you set up many Raspberry Pi's? Have you gotten into that? Soon I, yet?
0: I, um, I have. I've been I've been working on a secret project, and it's not really Ooh. that secret, but I've been um making my my first uh small, tiny robot in forever mm-hmm. and uh it is raspberry pi powered so i've been uh excellent that,
2: yeah oh nice
1: yeah i liz i don't know if you'd have uh so w- would you mind redescribing what this does yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can oh, take totally. credit for it i want to make sure i didn't undersell
3: it yeah we just No
2: yeah you got it um i was worried it was a little bit of a a cop out to make a a macro keyboard for the macro theme but i'm a bit uh-huh. of a nerd <laughs> With um, HID devices, that's like my favorite thing to make. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I heard the theme, that's instantly where where I went. Um, so I decided to do a custom PCB, but as a Arduino or Metro, which is um, Adafruit's boards uh, compatible um, mm-hmm. shield that can plug in. Uh, and I did code it with CircuitPython, uh, nice. which is Adafruit's has um, kind of self-contained uh, branch of MicroPython uh so it can run on their M0 or M4 boards uh, i'm using the Metro M0 for that one mm. awesome. uh, and uh i basically built it to do um in their library they have support for sending strings um and it's kind of cool on the back end like the reason why there's that whole um there's a line for the layout of your uh keyboard is that um it in in the uh, actual library like it takes it so that the the layout is sending each individual Key, um, depending on, like, your region. Mm. Um, and so I decided to do a kind of Linux uh, terminal um, macro because I've been doing a lot of stuff with Raspberry Pi and Tinkerboard and also desktop Ubuntu and uh, got tired of typing all those commands over and over again. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so um, And the color coding um, at the top row, that's where the update is yellow. Upgrade orange, reboot red, and shutdowns black.
3: Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and then the bottom lines are a little bit more benign because just um like change directory, um ls, uh, and then one that's kind of specific to the Raspberry Pi and the Tinkerboard is um pseudo GPIO uh, readall because not sure if you guys know what the the GPIO for both those boards because they they share the same library. Tinkerboard ported off the Raspberry Pi is the numbering convention is kind of insane.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, Where there's like the physical,
2: yeah, there's the physical pin number, but then there's also the wiring Pi library number. And then there's also the number that corresponds to the um, system on ship. And they're all very different. So if you type that command in, you get a nice chart that comes up that tells you how they line up.
1: Oh, Uh, awesome. That's cool. And then,
2: And then the last one I did was um clear because when I'm doing tutorials, like I'll often clear out the terminal so that people don't uh, see yeah. the the mess. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah. And then um I threw LEDs that correspond with the different colors on there just to make it nice and blingy.
0: That's awesome.
2: Uh, uh, I was gonna offer um I don't want to force on you guys, but Oshpark it's a minimum order of three boards. And I so mm-hmm. I do have two spares if you guys want me to send them out to you.
1: Heck yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. For sure the uh, yeah i don't know if you're planning on uh releasing that information oh, yeah, uh, to the general group but yeah and then if uh, i could have a peek at the at the uh, bill of materials and figure out uh, those switches you got are cool too I want to play right. the cool oh yeah they're well.
2: um they're cherry mx switches so they're a they're a standard like you can get them from basically anywhere
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, the eagle part i use is actually spark Fund's, um eagle part for them cuz they have a little breakout board
3: oh
1: cool right, right. okay red
0: right. so uh so just as a little bit of setup, I I had mailed both of you an envelope in the mail, mm-hmm. and ironically, the person who lives the furthest away from me got the envelope, which is Liz, but but Taylor did not. So Taylor, uh-huh. I have I have a, uploaded a PDF for you mm-hmm. to look at, but Liz has the actual envelope. But I think we should look at the two videos I made first, uh, and then okay. and then we'll do the envelope opening.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm starting, it, starting it up, 35-1, okay. which is same. the second one for me.
2: Uh, the same, yeah. Uh, so we've got some circles being uh, pulled around in Adobe Illustrator. Yep. Uh, there's one big circle and then one in the center. Um, mm-hmm. Now there's some text coming in. Able Eagle Mountain Complex. And that's it's going to around like the...
1: Like a seal or something, yeah.
2: Yeah, it kind yeah kind like a logo. It's no. reminding
1: me of when I uh, used to be a smoker. I remember my printmaking teacher telling me I was a nervous asher, and <laughs> I feel like Rob is a nervous aligner in Illustrator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like aligning back and forth. We're watching a fast mo version of his yeah. his process. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of building out. It looks like a train tunnel or something like that. The Able Eagle Mountain Complex.
2: Uh, yeah, almost like a doorway. It kind of reminds um, me of Alice in Wonderland. Like that first door she goes into in the mm-hmm. tree.
1: <laughs> and then, uh, Liz, how's your Latin? Is that what
3: we're looking uh, at there?
2: is uh, is non-existent. Um <laughs> Of a, a, electi,
1: oops. <laughs> I'm I'm, a, I'm assuming the first word is like an edifice or some kind of yeah building or structure, right? But and then electi, yeah, I don't know. Would that just be to choose something or to a selection?
2: Like a choice, maybe.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. We're uh, raiding the uh, <laughs> raiding the uh, clip art.
2: Yeah, looking for different uh, eagle images. The eagle's getting brought into the circle.
1: Oh, I did can go it. over
2: that center shape.
1: Let him let him crop out a little bit, Rob. I, I loved your initial positioning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now we're looking for mountain clip art.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's funny he's uh, he's including his um cha- he's changing his mind about how mm-hmm. different parts of the uh, <laughs> the image are going to go and leaving that in there which I I think is really funny. So we've done away almost entirely with the keyhole door uh, yeah. although it makes a uh, hidden appearance as the eye socket of the uh, of the flying eagle. Yes.
2: And the eagle's soaring over the mountains.
1: Yeah. Alright, shall we watch yeah. video 2?
2: Yes. Yeah. All right, are you a uh,
1: little ready? Guy. Mm-hmm, yeah, go right ahead.
2: So, looks like we got a survival manual from the Department of the Army, dated October 1970, and this is in Illustrator.
1: It's kind of switching back and forth layers, is that is that to show us um, his reproduction is faithful to the original? It is. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, now that you've seen
0: both, yeah. um, Liz, you you can open your envelope, or okay. if you haven't already. And then Taylor, you will have a PDF of the envelope.
1: Oh, nice! We even get the sound effect. Got there. the sound effect. That's great. <laughs> yes, get a, get a foley on Liz's hand. There. Yep.
2: <laughs> so uh, in the envelope, I have a letter um, with Department of Defense seal at the top. Um, it's from Thomas Shortridge, director, Abel Eagle Mountain Complex. And then there's an address and my address, so it's following that formal letter. Uh, Dear Ms. Clark, I am writing to inform you of your selection as a U.S. designated survivor. Designated survivors are enlisted to rebuild the economy, infrastructure, and culture of the United States in the event of a catastrophic nuclear attack upon the United States. You have been chosen to serve as a creator within the program. You will be contacted under separate cover to receive your Continuity of Government Agency Field Manual FM 63-910. See figure one on the next page to review the front cover of this manual. And then in bold, all caps, uh, do not at any time acknowledge this program or provide any details about the program without first receiving the partial passphrase and trusted response. It says the partial passphrase is upshot mermaid coins. And I respond by saying tidy butler seahorse and the trusted reply is handcuff coattails and we see um rob's created seal at the bottom of that uh and then the next page the figure one is the continuity of government agency field manual that we saw in uh, the second video uh it says creating and it's dated a uh, june 2018
1: yeah, and mine's, uh, mine's almost identical. Unfortunately, mine did not arrive in the mail, but uh, my passcodes <laughs> are different. But um, I can't tell you guys what the passcodes are, man. I, gotta, <laughs> oh, I, I messed up. <laughs> got to keep it to myself. Although I do love that my trusted reply is fiendish parakeet. That's uh, pretty fantastic.
0: I worked hard on those passcodes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Rob, i got I got to know. I mean, I, I have to get, guess that this is an actual thing, or at least it was in the 60s, right? Was this a a real program?
0: It uh it is inspired by a real program. Um mm-hmm. oh I, I will I will say also that our our dear friend and guest Andy Berkey, uh who came up with this challenge has also received a letter in the mail. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um so I have um I have a a penchant, I guess is the right word, for mm-hmm. the nuclear histories of the United States and of the world. Um And sadly and oddly, those have become newly relevant (laughs)
3: in a weird Mm
0: -hmm. way. Um, It's like a sort of macro component of life that feels also like very, very personal in a way that like even Mm -hmm. um, a hurricane, which is also a very macro event, uh, maybe feels less personal because it's sort of not human created or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had heard a story about a specific mountain complex in the United States called Raven Rock. And Raven Rock is, I think, in Pennsylvania and is a sort of underground bunker where the sort of privileged class of the U.S. government gets to go (coughs) survive nuclear war where the rest of us get to, you know, be irradiated Mm. and die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You could see decisions and PowerPoints getting made within the U.S. government that says, like, we need to somehow do something to preserve, like, tenacity and creativity and culture. And, like, who would we want to, like, we we have to have a select group of people to survive the nuclear holocaust in order to preserve these things that feel like maybe that, like, some wacky uh, uh bureaucrat would think of as, like, an American trait or something. Um mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, what if, What if people I knew were people who have been enlisted to survive the nuclear holocaust in order to preserve creativity and, you know, out of the box thinking and stuff. And so then I decided to uh, enact that in my own way by uh, inviting certain people I know to become selected survivors to maintain creativity throughout a, a very dark time, which it may not be nuclear war that we're getting, but it does feel like. A dark time
1: yes <laughs> it is funny to think about uh how different my projects would be if i couldn't just email them off to a chinese you know boardhouse. hmm <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe
1: they're the ones that drop the bomb
0: yeah i have a yeah right right <laughs> i have a lot of ideas that, and that was one of them for sure it's like how, what do you if you're sealed off from the world literally wh- what what does that feel like as a as a creative person you know
1: It occurs to me that speaking of our, um, this is a bit of a callback here, but speaking of our midlife crises, Rob, there there has to be some kind of thing that's not just Burning Man, where you sort of pretend like it's post-nuclear holocaust and like go live in a bunker with people and enact these kind of things, right? Have you ever investigated such a thing?
0: I mean, there should be, yeah. Now sort that you're like an experienced
1: director, you should th- you should like take your crew and do a bunch of trust exercises on a on a hilltop or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or drinking irradiated water
0: with my busted three D printer. <laughs> 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 Though there would be nothing like like inspiration to fix a three D printer than having nothing else to do in an underground bunker. <laughs> yeah.
2: And maybe having to use that printer as a maybe a food heating source. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah food creation, maybe even. <laughs>
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While you were describing it, like, I, I mean, as a, when you're reading it out loud, like you can kind of like laugh at it. But then when you were describing it, I was thinking of it in like real terms. Like I did almost kind of get like a, like a chill of like, oof. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it, it yeah. feels so real. And you do start to think about like, well, how would that happen? Like, I feel like a lot of people talk about the initial event of a catastrophe like that, but they never really go past that.
3: Yeah, um, right
2: like the what would happen afterwards
3: yeah
0: and that there would probably be some type of survival Mm. for some amount of time you know or something i don't know it's hard to say
2: yeah
1: what was the uh what was the classic of the andromeda strain have you guys read the original book the andromeda strain that michael creighton
3: Uh, oh i haven't i haven't Uh, mm.
1: It's uh, it's definitely worth checking out if you get a chance. And it was long before he. I think Crichton kind of went off the deep end before he died and was like a climate change denier and all sorts of crazy stuff, which was extra strange because he was, you know, sort of a science writer. But um, it's from 1969, so he had to do all this imagining about what, uh, how computers might be used by the military in the early 70s. Wow. Uh, so they do this really incredible. Reproduction of ASCII art uh, screens that are sort of you know the the equivalent of a of a very very rudimentary uh, visualization of graphs and things like that. Uh, but one of the ones that really stuck with me is in this facility. These scientists have to go into. You have to put your hand on a pad and it gets you know scanned and that's your ID. And so one of the pages of the novel as you're turning it is just it's a hand you know rendered in ASCII art. Um, <laughs> but it it reminds me, Rob, of some of the aesthetic that you're starting to lean towards in terms yeah. of that bureaucracy yeah. aesthetic yeah um and i'd love to see you carry on with this and try to figure out you know are there um like are there certain tropes that come along with um even the use of uh, uh clip art, for example there was a great uh ninety nine percent invisible where they were talking about challenge coins. And apparently these coins that they make in the military to identify, you know, one group from another and you can challenge somebody at a bar and they have to get their coin out and you see who, you know, pays for drinks, who forgot their coin, whatever. Uh-huh. But apparently most of them are designed in PowerPoint. So, and so oh, they're getting oh. these, these actual, you know, cast metal things developed. And, you know, PowerPoint is what they have access to. And that's sort of their... Um, their, their creative territory and, and limitation that they swim around in. So, yeah, That's I'd awesome. love to see you really, really dig into also some of the just really like gross <laughs> and limited aspects of that kind of bureaucratic uh, visual language, yes, which you're can... already doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure.
0: Side note there's a really great film called On the Beach that is um, from 1959. That is, for me, one of the most horrifying like post nuclear war films, if anyone's interested. One oh. one country has not been affected, but all our one continent hasn't been affected, but all the rest have. That's not a spoiler. Oh. And so it's like, yeah, it's pretty harsh.
2: <laughs> Yikes.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm imagining what the title then means. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob, we should um we should do the biz and we should uh, start to start closing it up. So what yep.
0: do you got? Okay, yeah. So if you want to see photos and videos of the stuff we talked about, you can go to projects.opposablepodcast.com. Um it looks like we've got a bunch of number we got a bunch of really great ones uh to look at and some of them um really will deliver in a way that our our uh verbal description maybe can't. So um I encourage you to go and check it out. Uh would like to send you an opposable thumb sticker, just uh let us know that you shared an episode of the podcast uh in any way that you think would be cool. And uh, we'll send you a sticker. Um, And to do that, just hit us up on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email address, opposablepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of the sticker, shout out to Wolf Mask, who designed our logo. Uh, And we would like to give a new Patreon, uh, Blondie Hack, a big shout out. And thank you for becoming a new Patreon patron. Uh, And also to Nick Kantar and Walter Katundu OG Patreon supporters. Um, Mm -hmm. Thanks for uh, supporting the podcast. And thank you, Blonde Hack, for being a new supporter. Uh, If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Uh, Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter or religion, or lack thereof. And we actively support an inclusive environment. And we would like you to be a part of it. Um, Liz, you had listed a few things that you wanted to share with us and also with listeners.
2: Uh, Yeah. um, So first things, not really a maker related, but a music related. I just found out about this band called the Disruptors. uh, And they're a female fronted punk ska band, which I hadn't heard a band in that genre for a while. Uh, yeah, and it's basically like if rancid had a female lead singer
3: and they've <laughs> even done some song yep.
2: <laughs> they've even done some songs with tim armstrong oh cool um and it's the first band i've listened to in a while that's like got me excited about like punk and sounds original but classic at the the same time and uh it's interesting i i was looking and i guess they had opened for green day in uh on their european tour and I find Green Day, like, I I think they're kind of self aware that people Mm -hmm. think of them as, like, these pop punk guys, but they do always give back on their tours to the original, like, punk community um, with their openers. Because I saw them when I was uh, a little teeny bopper during the American Idiot tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) back in uh, 05, and Against Me opened for them. Oh, yeah. And that was um, when they had the As the Eternal Cowboy album out, and they became one of my favorite bands, and they just. They always have um they always seem to be a have on their radar like the next uh band and punk coming up. So definitely the disruptors are pretty great. That's
0: rad. Yeah, cool. Excellent. And you linked to a YouTube video and I assume they probably have stuff in other places as well. But yeah. Oh
2: yes. Rad. Uh that was a kind of a playlist of all their, their awesome. songs.
0: Yeah, if you go to show notes listeners, we'll uh we'll link it up there.
2: Um and then uh I just found out this guy on uh Thingiverse, uh Red Dad Steve, um, who's making models of uh, a lot of like classic cartoon characters and other kind of pop culture figures um, where each part uh, you print separately and then just glue together. So you don't have to paint anything and you don't have to worry about supports. Um, He like makes it so that everything um, is just really easy to print and put together. Uh, And I printed his Dilbert model actually for my dad for father's day. Um, And uh, it was, it was just like a really fun print experience. uh, And he's, still actively designing. So I just kind of wanted to give him a shout out. That's great. Yeah. And then um, two of my uh, friends through the uh, maker content creator area, uh, David Watts and Sion of Unexpected Maker, uh, they both have um, excellent maker YouTube channels, but they're doing this cool project together right now where they're communicating each other to design a PCB for a, a seven segment display but the only way that they're communicating is by uploading a video with their thoughts and responses to each Whoa.
3: other. <laughs> so
2: it's basically like kind of like old school letter writing, but through video. And they'll sketch out what they're thinking of. And then next video, they'll go, oh, I liked what you did there, but I want to do this. And uh, it's been really cool to watch them go back and forth and kind of like form how they're going to do the circuit and how they're going to design everything. So That's really great. Um, And just in general, their channels are also really awesome.
0: That's cool. That's a really cool limitation to put on a collaborative.
2: Yeah, I love um, challenges like that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. I've got a few things. Um, One of them is very simple. The U.S. National Archives has a YouTube channel, and it's really good. It's like lots of cool stuff from the archives that they've um, encoded into digital format and posted. And some of them are also just... Um, artists are like artists and writer talks that they also host um, seems really great. And I, I've heard the the national archives is amazingly thorough and awesome in that like all sorts of equipment and stuff is archived because all of the archived materials require hardware for playback, you know? And so
3: mm-hmm.
0: all of the, the devices and stuff are also a part of the archive. So it's not just the documents, but the documents the way to access or use the documents and media also have the technology connected to them, you know? So it's a really cool, uh, sort of broad, broad view in a way of what an archive could be, which is really great. Um, the other thing I'm into is we got a really cool iTunes review back in February that, and I never checked the iTunes, com- uh, reviews or comments because I just feel like that whole thing is weird. Um, <laughs> but it's a really super nice review. And so I wanted to thank the person who left it, which is the name is Batmantha.
3: I hope I'm pronouncing that
0: right. Uh, It could be Batmantha. I'm not sure. Um, And it's the first episode I ever listened to was your one on whiteness. And I truly appreciate your willingness to discuss the topic and the nuance you brought to the conversation. And I love that you brought the conversation to the maker community and it says more, but I, it was like super rad and I was like very, very stoked to see that. So thank you for leaving that iTunes review.
1: Yeah. Particularly because we were just kind of scared. We were an episode. (laughs) We were scared of that episode. (laughs) It's it's, it's a vulnerable time.
0: (laughs) And the last one I won't overly describe, but it's called the auto saw and it's a project by MIT, um, to sort of take the fear and danger out of various shop equipment, uh, by using robotics. And it's really cool. And it's called the auto saw, a U T O S A W. And, um, on shape, I think, is collaborating on
2: that. So. So. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually always talk about this stuff just in line. Uh, for me, it's the big uh, printmaking event and sort of plugging through on that thing. Um, I guess the other thing I could talk about is I've been trying to do... A bunch of research on um, Neopixel variants. Mm. So oh, if nice. you want, if you want to start buying those, um, as it turns out, uh, there's a lot of complaints about the reliability of this series, which I believe is WS twenty eight twelve. And uh, Liz, maybe you could correct me if I'm getting that designator wrong.
2: The uh, that's right. That's the kind of newer one because uh, twenty eight eleven was the one kind of before it.
1: So there's also a 2813, which I think is less popular, and maybe they're not going to stick with it, that has six pins so that if a pixel goes out, it still passes um, uh, data along the branch. But then, let me just find this real quick. I was just working on writing this up. Uh, So people have had trouble with those, and apparently you have to go through a fairly uh, arcane set of steps if you're reflowing uh, PCBs with them where you have to bake them at a low temperature and then, but not for too long to get them to dry out and just, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can compare this to these SK6812 clones. And Hackaday was had this great article about how it's a funny case of how the clones are actually better than the originals. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently now, you know, the... Um, uh, the industry cycle in China is getting so good that sometimes they'll just throw in some improvements <laughs> when they're, you know, when they're ripping off a product. Wow! Um, wow! Then you've also got APA 102 and APA 104, which are actually quite different because one is SPI and one is not. So, so I'll be writing that up for those that are interested. But I, I had trouble, a lot of trouble getting all that information in one place, and so that's always kind of nice when you. do the research and you say oh like here's here's a little article i could do on my web page that you know people would probably get some use out of so that's something i've been thinking about that's awesome
2: i'd definitely get used out of that because i um i do a lot of neopixel projects
1: (laughs) great yeah yeah and if you have any thoughts about it by all means you know uh, maybe i'll put it in a publicly editable place like on github or something oh yeah 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 that'd be cool
0: my future self in 2023 thanks you when I stumble upon your blog post <laughs> through
3: Google yeah, search sure. <laughs>
0: Liz do you have any um, like websites or URLs or projects that you want to share that are coming up
2: um, I have uh, my YouTube channel which yep. is uh, Blitzday DIY cool. um, and then I've got a pretty special project coming up that I haven't really been able to talk about too much but I've been writing a book on the Tinkerboard uh, and that's cool. going to be coming out in the fall. Oh, cool! Yeah,
1: nice. Is that going to be like a? Um, w- will there be paper versions, or is it all Kindle-y or what's the format?
2: Uh, it's going to be available as a ebook and also a paperback through right. uh, a press. Yeah, that's great. Oh,
1: okay, red. Right. I don't know that one. I'll have to take a look at it. That's is that the uh, Asus product?
2: Yes. Yeah. That's so I'm cool. hoping it can help the community have a little bit more of a software support oh, rather cool. than the kind of scatteredness of it right now. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's sure, sure. awesome.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Liz, we we are ready for our next challenge.
1: Uh, let's hear it.
2: All right. Um, I was nervous about this, but it came to me today. Um, I'm going to challenge you with uh, resistance.
3: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Wow. <laughs> the single word ones are great. Yep. Yeah, I really dig it. Oh my I gosh. like that you
2: guys have a lot of like physics terms for your themes. Mm-hmm. Um this can be taken that way or maybe another social way. If yeah, all anything. sorts of ways. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Or
1: preferably both. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, ooh, yeah. Okay. I already got I already got something. Cooking. Man,
0: I never nothing ever comes to me. <laughs> Once maybe. Alright, well, I'll have to do my typical week of thinking on it and then a week of panic <laughs> yep. yep. liz thanks so much for being on the podcast yeah it was, it was really, really, great really great to meet you such a good yeah. project man yep yeah, oh yeah,
1: this is really
2: great, great talking to you guys and thanks for having me on
0: yeah it was awesome we look forward to seeing all the stuff you're doing uh on your youtube channel and also your new book which is is pre congrats on the book because it only mm. ever oh, seems very like much. a total nightmare <laughs> That's a lot of
3: work.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'm at the tail end of it right now, so I can see the light.
0: (laughs) You can do it. You can do it.